Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss what leadership looks like in the modern insurance business. We talk to insure tech leaders and founders, innovators and change agents from the insurance industry. We also talk to thought leaders from outside the industry, such as organizational psychologists, performance coaches and investment professionals. Anyone who can add value to the conversation on how to lead insurance businesses of the future. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. This is the host, Alex Bond. Um, We've got an exciting announcement to make. Um, Off the back of the podcast, we're exposed to many issues that are kind of topical or current, um, and some become really pervasive. And sometimes we are in the position to do something about it in our role as a recruitment business that specializes in insurtech. And one of those issues has been the lack of female leadership in insurance technology businesses. It's nothing new. It's nothing surprising. Um, We can see that the numbers are just simply not representative in the traditional insurance industry. But in a nascent industry, in in a burgeoning and growing industry, in an industry that's so exciting, it's a little bit disappointing to see that the numbers continue to not stack up. There are simply not enough female leaders in the insurance technology business. So what can we do about that? Well, look, there's no time for me to have a savior complex, but what I can do is build networks and what I can do is build platforms. And so one of those platforms we've decided to kind of launch is the flight series, the female leaders in insurance technology event series. This will be a series of events that will start in 2022. They will involve in-person events, they involve online events to encapsulate the global audience, and they are going to include some specific mentoring opportunities. So I'm excited to announce that the first of those is happening on 13th of January. That will be a London in-person event. It will be a ticketed event. um, And we get a fantastic panel of female speakers to talk about attracting talent to InsureTech. So if you're interested in InsureTech, if you're interested in discussing opportunities in InsureTech, we'd love to see you there. Please check out the FinPro website, www.wearefinpro.com for more information. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by John Four from Trustlayer. John, good morning. How are you? What's going on, buddy? How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very good. Thank you. Um, you I, I, I feel like I've let us down with the branded goods. I've got the branded goods, but um, <laughs> I don't have enough of them. swag? No, oh I've got gosh. swag. Uh, do you know what's really depressing? As I was hanging it up today, so it's actually on the line outside. <laughs> well, we'll make sure to get you some swag. Uh, I need uh, some more out. swag. Yeah. I need some more swag. Well, the swag game is the swag game is up to t- like that's an industry that's actually upped its game. Yeah, uh, it's well beyond just like t-shirts now. Now there's like we actually put like a Shopify store uh, in a in Trustlayer just so we could like like automate so much of it because yeah. like, the demand is yeah it's crazy. Yeah, the internal ones. I did get quite tempted the other day. I've seen. Have you seen these kind of self-filtering water bottles with the ion? Um, they've got like an um, ion light. I have. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, you can get them branded now, and I was like, "That's that's a cool gift." So the self-licking popsicle. I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like them. I like them. Well, look. Before we get to, uh, distracted by the great swag that you've got, on, so we know the business that you, that you're CEO of. Um, but just for the people at home who are not aware of Trustlayer, um, be great if you could kind of, uh, you know, run us through what the business does. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, so again, it's it's great to be on here. My name is John Four. 
I'm one of the co-founders of a company called Trustlayer, and uh, and we've built a platform that helps automate the tracking and verification of information between parties. So when companies work together, they have to maybe prove identity, like KYC information. They have to maybe track licensing. Uh, like, is the guy coming onto my job site a, a plumber, like licensed plumber? Uh, and it turns out companies have to track insurance information as well. And a lot of states, especially in the U.S., is actually being a requirement from carriers. And, and that process is like super manual and super painful and it just stinks. And, and so we built a platform that uses robotic process automation and some fancy AI to simply automate that uh, workflow. And then we're working with a bunch of really big carriers and brokers to create the next version, actually create a digital proof of insurance. So imagine that plumber being able to validate in real time that they have the requisite coverage or like that moving company or the florist that wants to get access to a big building uh, instead of having to screw around with pieces of paper and emailing it ahead of time, being able to just in real time demonstrate that mm-hmm. they've got the coverage. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're working on. Uh, yeah, so we're really excited about it and building a really good team here. Awesome, awesome. The, the one thing I wanted to ask you, which because because you know uh, you, you and I have obviously spoken before, and 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 we've we've gone through what the business does uh, previously. I think one thing that struck me: Do you think the consumer? And I know this, this this is more in the B2B field. Do you think the consumer would be surprised about the lack of digitalization in in this area of the economy? Yeah, well, I know I was when I first found out. That, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was invested in some real estate and I saw that some of the construction projects that we were involved with would get delayed. And 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 then when I you know was digging into this, like why could this one subcontractor not start at this one at this one time? And I found out it was because like they hadn't brought a piece of paper mm-hmm. uh, to the job site. I was just mm-hmm. like blown away mm-hmm. that that this was this was still a problem uh, today. I mean, after all, we can buy policies. There's so much we can do online. We do our banking online. We can sign. If you're a tenant, you could like sign your lease online. I mean, there's so much. What what can't we do online now? Then yeah. to find out that like actually to prove coverage is whether you're like buying a house, you're that like vendor, you're the like the supplier, you're like a tracking franchisees, really just like any of those workflows, uh, you have to have a piece of paper. It's super frustrating to mm. me. But I'll tell you who's not frust- who's not um, surprised by this are the people in the insurance world. Yeah. Uh, they've been dealing with this crap for 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 their whole career. <laughs> and they're like they they are it's insurance is so complicated and you need an expert to in so many different stages that's, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, just because, again, we're talking about risk, we're talking about humans. And so that's, that's complicated. Uh, trying to move past the paper piece allows insurance professionals to, whether they're carriers or brokers or like a risk manager, to actually like focus on the complex stuff rather than doing the administrative paper pushing, mm. which, which people don't want to do, which really is not that exciting. For people, and that's something that the robots can be really good at. Mm. Um, and we'll let them do it, so humans can focus on more complex tasks. Yeah, it's it's something we've talked about on the podcast a few times because there's been a few AI-driven tools, and I think I think definitely. And I was coming from a naive kind of transport of like, oh, the robots are coming, um, and and yeah. you know the, the concern was, oh, the economy can't move fast enough. But then I, I hadn't identified that the very obvious thing is that people don't want to do repetitive boring tasks so that's what robots and automation yeah i can take that stuff away um yeah i think uh i think a lot of us 
I mean, I remember like two, three years ago, uh, there were all those articles about how autonomous trucks were coming. Oh my gosh, like how crazy is this? Like we're gonna, and truck driving is like one of the most popular um, or most common jobs mm-hmm. in a lot of states in the US. What is this gonna do? And yet, look what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like there's like in the US, there's like an absolute dearth of truck drivers right now. We just, I, I just read this morning, we're 80,000 short yeah uh for truck drivers so the yeah the the robot overlords are are many years away but at the same time the robot assistants are here and and they are really good at doing certain tasks that humans often find not very exciting uh but like the real complex tasks they're like some of the ai tools are coming um are like improving a lot. We use a lot in, within Tressler, but it, the key is like how to make the human more efficient. Mm-hmm. It's not really how do you replace the mm-hmm. human. Mm-hmm. And and for for those jobs where it is, it's like it's very short term thinking for the companies that are trying to do that. It's really like how yeah. can we make our people, how can we make our team like that much more efficient, mm-hmm. um, and focus on the complex stuff. Yeah, and the stuff they want to be doing. I mean, that's that's the you just look at the hierarchy of needs. You know, people people want to be doing sort of creating for creative, fulfilling work, like whatever that means, or or, or certainly more creative, more fulfilling. Because I th- I think about AI a little bit more. I was I was thinking about VR the other day and VR versus AR, and, and everyone's kind of very excited about VR, and I'm like, VR is exciting. I'm I'm interested, and you know, that's just a nerd in me, and you know, I still, I still like playing computer games, so I'm like, that's going to be cool. I'm more excited about the kind of application of like AR, the kind of supplemental experience of that. Um, and and as, as a sort of added tool to my kind of daily life, then kind of like VR. VR is this like standalone thing, massive applications, of course, but I'm like the sort of immediate impact. So it's the difference between kind of complete um, robotization and automation and, and kind of green things. Yeah, 100%. Kind of, yeah. Uh, 100%. Um, did you ever, did you try Oculus when, when that came out? Do you know what? I, I I had a little demo on it, but it was very little. And I won't lie, I was at a, I was at a film film party and I was slightly inebriated. So I don't think I had the best <laughs> A British guy? Now, this is news to Yeah, I know. Weird. <laughs> okay. So what was your experience with it? Did you like it? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. But it, I, I found it... Um, but I think I, I remember loving it contextually. I, I, I don't think my bar was set that high. So I kind of... Right loved it but now i kind of think back and i'm like i, I didn't spend enough time to get beyond the gimmick of it, it being incredible but right but, so how, how many times have you tried it since oh like literally like once like that was it you exactly know? that's yeah, the yeah. thing people are yeah. always like i tried it It was the coolest thing i've ever seen yeah so do you use it every day or how many times you're like oh no i've never done it since yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so that's that's definitely uh yeah that was definitely my experience although we may try it a little bit more my my kids for christmas when is this coming out again <laughs> so like, uh, we've got a christmas gift coming out like in the near term so we'll, we'll have a little bit more in the household but i mean if your I, kids i'll be very impressed if your kids are listening <laughs> and watching this podcast i mean like they are they are going to be up to speed on insure tech but you know yeah. bullied at school <laughs> um <laughs> so, and I hope so the they- uh <laughs> we've, we've got some, we've got some, we've got some big uh, VR games coming out. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's right. Right? How do you? Uh, how can you augment? That's interesting. Using that uh, that like structure of like augmented AI rather than thinking like replacement AI, mm. uh, where it can assist. 
yeah, that actually that could be that's a, that's a that's a neat way to kind of frame um, the the uh, yeah the, the technology um, that that we're bringing in uh, to it to really just like help I've help written, automate uh, or augment that 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 workflow. I feel like I've just written your new your new sales pitch, so I'll I'll be coming I in. I feel like a, I a, feel like I've got a I feel like we you, you and I can have a blog article about that. I, let me do some thought leadership. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'll be after my equity stake. I um yeah no I so no talk to me about the technology then because I, I I am really interested in AI particularly and and you know because I think AI gets definitely overused as a term, terminology. What, yeah, how does half it work? the time it's like total bogus. Yeah. Uh, how does it work practically for you? So. I, Okay, I, we, I, I would be happy to spend some time geeking out over AI. I think for what I've been surprised of is just like the smart robotic process automation mm-hmm. is more meaningful, uh, is like the most meaningful part of, of at least for what we're building. Because uh, yeah, sure. we, we have a challenge of, we've got a lot of different stakeholders. So mm-hmm. with insurance, you've got carriers, you've got brokers, you've got, like risk managers or maybe like a company that that has to validate proof of coverage of their subcontractors, which means you also have the subcontractors, the mm-hmm. company that were like the borrower, the company mm-hmm. or the person who has to actually, the tenant, right? The franchisee who has to prove that they have coverage. And when you have, when you have different stakeholders, each one of those stakeholders, they have to deal with insurance, but their focus is in insurance. Mm necessarily so the carrier and brokers okay they're focused on insurance but that like home builder they're not exclusively focused on insurance that plumber certainly is not focused on insurance mm-hmm. and so making sure that you can have the right workflow that can be flexible enough to to provide value for each one of those uh stakeholders is is challenging and so that's really the i think part of our secret sauce is that we've built out a really slick clean workflow for each one of those key stakeholders, um, leveraging robotic process automation. And in the right time, having the robots focus on the things that they're good at and having the human in the loop at the, just the right time. Mm-hmm. And so let the robots focus uh, with some of the data extraction capabilities or some of the automation, um, focus on more of the more like the tedious task and then the complex task, bringing a human in just for that one spot Mm-hmm. Uh, but then for the more manual or for the more like um, uh, tedious tasks, uh, having that just get automated. Because mm. as you were saying that, I was just thinking even the kind of complexity of the language for all those different parties, you know, um, the plumber, when you're talking about insurance, has to... What happens at the moment is, is the plumber at the end has to <clears throat> talk about insurance in the same way that insurance companies do. But, yeah, but, that's but, but from a completely different level of understanding. So it, 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 yeah, that that's one of the challenges I always see is kind of simplifying it to the language that the the sort of end person in the chain actually understands. Um, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Uh, mm. Even just like having a, I mean, what have we talked about? We've talked about like banks have to track this information for borrowers. Mm-hmm. General contractors have to track subcontractors or suppliers. Manufacturers have suppliers. Um, uh, you might have like a company that's tracking like auto loans or mortgages or franchisors to franchisees, sports teams. It's like, there's so many different use cases in insurance, which, which is great in our industries that, that are impacted by insurance. Um, even just naming things in our platform 
can become challenging yeah, yeah, because yeah. because a bank dealing with borrowers doesn't have subcontractors uh mm-hmm. right so like how do you create that flexibility within the platform um and so now and we we allow for this but uh it's really challenging it's also important to meet people where they are mm-hmm. so although our focus is insurance we don't just do insurance so as soon as we brought on our first home builder they uh that was tracking their subs they're like this is great but if you're gonna reach out to all my subcontractors and ask for proof of coverage you know we also need to get w9s here in the us mm-hmm. what about articles of incorporations can you mm-hmm. get passports and driver's license and you mm-hmm. gotta get these covid forms now so now we can handle a lot of these we have whether it's surety bonds or we can handle a lot of these additional um documents again our focus is insurance Mm-hmm. But just because our focus is insurance doesn't mean that plumber's focus or the general contractor's focused on insurance. And mm-hmm. so I think it's like having the right language uh, and meeting people where they are mm-hmm. uh, and being like just really flexible to that to that point uh, mm-hmm. is is key uh, in order to in order to actually have like meaningful adoption mm-hmm. uh, and meaningful success. Again, insurance is complicated, mm-hmm. and and I'm interested. Like, I think I, I can geek out of, over it. But uh, not everyone is, you know, <laughs> is, not is everyone, interested in that. Not everyone wants to do a weekly podcast about it. No, I, I, yeah. I agree. I, I was thinking that, as you're saying, because I noticed there's a difference between the first time we met, which is probably a year ago or so, the first time we spoke, sorry, and, and the way that you framed the kind of business was, 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 was a bit broader than kind of insurance and, 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 and also kind of where you fit in. So I wanted to ask you about that. Like, who are your clients now and like can can you sell to all parties or do you do you sell to one of the parties but the other parties kind of get to utilize it how, do, how does that kind of work from um just for from for a practical business perspective for, for, for you yeah so we think about the end the end user um is the com- like the end customer is the company that has to track information about right. the third parties that they work with yeah yeah again yeah. we've said that you know that could be banks that can be property managers like be construction mm-hmm. though though there are a lot of other stakeholders and so we think about the brokers our carrier partners uh as as really just partners in this uh and with trust layer this could be a revenue generator mm-hmm. for those brokers uh and even for the carriers so so it, it, again it's important to to make sure you can provide value uh for for each one of these stakeholders Mm. Uh, from the broker's perspective, we actually really wanted to get buy-in from the industry, yeah. uh, like real meaningful buy-in. Uh, and so with our last funding round, this was a little challenging um, to, when having some of the conversations with the venture funds, but so we have a big fancy venture fund um, this last round. Uh, but we also have over 20, some of the largest carriers and brokers actually as investors at TrustLayer. Uh, because again, we wanted to we really wanted to demonstrate like our partnerships with these guys, mm-hmm. and and uh, and the response has been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now I can I can get on the phone and talk to the CEO of a of a major brokerage, uh, and and always kind of stay like front and center so that we can really get feedback and guidance from them to make sure that we're providing like the right solution that they want mm-hmm. to roll out, not just not just like some like solution looking for a problem. Mm. Um, but really making sure that we're, we're actually solving the biggest pain points for, for insurance brokers here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you think about, um, 
I'm sure you thought about it, but but do you do you white? I don't know. You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Um, did you yeah. white label? Did you white label the product? Would you have you have you thought about that? Sort of. So yeah. yes, uh, there's a there's a um, there's a customizable. So many many brokers now are offering a solution that doesn't have the trust layer name on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that way, it's it's it's. And sometimes you may come to the trust layer. Um, website for like a portion of it mm-hmm. uh but it still has like the broker the customer's name mm-hmm. uh and logos plastered all over it so it's like semi-white labeled um mm-hmm. but uh uh but from for all intents and purposes it's it's uh many most most customers or most users don't notice that it's trust layer it's mm-hmm. because the brokers really are building what's exciting is like brokers are building like entire businesses around mm-hmm. around this uh and it's exciting to meet um, it's exciting to see when you, you see the first, uh, job postings, uh, and they're looking for like dedicated teams of people or like managers to run these like new gener- like revenue generating divisions mm-hmm. in the brokerage. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so for all those reasons, it's, um, uh, yes, it's, it's a pretty exciting time to, uh, to see like what people are doing with the platform. Yeah. Cause it was, I was thinking that when you were saying that, you know, talking about what it could do and, and, and I, um, I, 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 I've said this before. It makes it sound like I'm such a. I, anyway, it's my podcast. So I like. I am. Um, you I, do whatever I trained, you want, man. I, I trained <laughs> as an actor, and I'm. I. I really sort of. I'm a bit of a. Um, you know, sideline observer in the film industry. I've got some friends in the film industry, and and you know, been on set quite a few times. And 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 obviously, the, the insurance of that is a complex process. So, I was thinking loads of people on set have to be insured the insurances need to be checked. There's a kind of the same sort of problem you have with anything that has these mass scale contractors. But then I was taking it that step further. It's like, you know, if you look at the MGA, MGU model, what do you need to have successful MGA or MGU? Well, you either need unique distribution or a unique product. Um, you could set a whole MGA around, oh, we give you this software to interface with that kind of allows you to track all these kind of bits of information, takes that headache away from you. And you could create a whole business, which kind of essentially is... Um, yeah, it just enables you to track all your contractors via the sort of trust layer business. Yeah, we have. And yeah, we definitely have companies uh, that are doing that. We've tried to stay as um, like our focus is really the technology piece. Yes, of course. And of course. so to, for that, we are we're not a carrier, we're not a broker. No, of course. Uh, and so we're well. I mean, it's not it's not of sorts because like we've definitely thought about. It. We've been asked a lot. But what we're trying to build is like the the infrastructure layer mm. here, and if if we're competing with all of these brokers, uh, they might you know they might not want us to be you know building infrastructure, mm. uh, and so and so for that way we've decided that we really want to like focus on the technology piece, uh, and we but to that point like we're now providing a lot of leads to our broker partners, mm. uh, and so as well as to the carrier partners as well. Uh, and then, and like I said, like they're building risk management, like profitable risk management bu- um, businesses around around the trust, trust layer infrastructure. Mm. Uh, but they also get a lot of leads. I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of brokers and carriers are excited about this. Mm. Mm. Uh, because, you know, that GC, they might have, or like actually the film industry is a great example. Because uh, every little like set they have to, like every location they often have to, it's like a little business that they have to mm-hmm. collect all this insurance information for mm-hmm. 
Uh, and you can just imagine like the lighting guy comes and doesn't have the right coverage. Well, that's a great opportunity for that broker to, to offer that coverage right then and there, mm-hmm. uh, and get an inroad into that customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we don't want to do that because we don't want to be seen as a, cus- a competitor. Uh, but, but, uh, our bro- we know our broker partners do that all the time and we love it. And we do a lot to, to help them do that. Yeah. 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 No, that, no, I was, um, sorry. I was, uh, uh, I wasn't suggesting that that was potentially a business model for you, but really I was, I was sort of looking at the technology stack and going that. Oh you- no, it's a great business. Don't get me wrong. I definitely thought about that for a while. Yeah. Uh, and thankfully we got like, and that definitely was something we were attracted to. But then after getting feedback from uh, the broker partners, we were like, now our vision is like, we really want to build the infrastructure here. Mm. And so, and so let the brokers do what they're great at. And then we can focus on what, what we're pretty good at. Mm. How do you, um, you, have you built something in which specifically allows for the, that reciprocal flow? Um, like to, to sort of, is that, is that some place you- coverage? Yeah. Have you had to kind of build that on because of the opportunity that was presented by that? Yeah. So brokers have asked us to do that. And there are, there are a few things that we're working on uh, mm. around that. Um, and again, brokers have different, different solutions that they're like, some may want to work with bold, some may work with bold, some may work with, I mean, there's so many different, um, there's so many different uh, um, solutions that are out there for like the rating um, or like the internal systems that they have that uh that uh we, we again we just need to be flexible uh, mm. with that mm. i was going to ask you about um just just going back a bit you know you launched in 2019 is that right was that yeah we launched in 20 yeah i think it was 2019 for the first yeah. like for the first year we were really trying to figure out if this was a real business is it's like we're just like throwing some ideas um and like some figmas um on the board and then uh, last year, we were lucky enough to meet, well, I mean, I don't want to say, doing, doing a startup in the, like, in the middle of a, and like the start of a pandemic was not, was not great. We had our first like outside funding round in, uh, in uh, April yeah. of, of 2020. Wow. Uh, so like a, a month off after like, you know, the, the bottom fell out. Mm. Uh, but we were lucky enough to join a group called Broker Tech Ventures. Yes. Which I don't know. Have you, have you interviewed those guys? On your uh, no, I haven't. Guys? No, no, no. But I'm aware of them. No, but I should do. Oh yeah, you, these yeah, guys are incredible. Mm. Uh, like 14. It's a little bit bigger now. Uh, independent brokers got together, and uh, Holmes Murphy and I think M3 kind of kicked it off uh, out of out of Madison and out of uh, out of uh, um, Des Moines, and and I mean at the time it was all virtual, right? Because no one was we weren't getting on airplanes or anything. Yeah, but uh. Yeah, these guys did an incredible job. And and if if you're an insure tech, like a really early stage insure tech, um, I can't imagine a better group of people to be around because you get like tremendous feedback and buy-in uh, from these folks. We actually turned down Y Combinator, uh, which is like another, it's like yeah, the yeah. traditional uh, fancy Silicon Valley um, accelerator. Uh, but in retrospect, it was the right decision because it was great to get feedback, you know, and buy in from the industry, uh, mm-hmm. which is what the BTV uh, team did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How much is that? Um, I'm always interested because obviously talent's my to my space. Um, I'm always interested in the kind of balance between 
um, that kind of insurance knowledge, how, how much was that kind of needed in the business? How have you kind of brought that in or, or if, or have you just utilized like the kind of like broker tech ventures kind of experiences? Um, have you, have you built much kind of insurance knowledge like in house? Has, has that been a, yeah, you, I mean, you, you know, that's a, it's like a, you want, you want an, you want industry knowledge, mm-hmm. but you also want people who are just pure technologists yeah. uh, that, that have experience in just, what's possible mm-hmm. and i think in like bringing them together is is really where you can have success because mm-hmm. uh, you don't want someone who only grew up in like looking at like a legacy agency management system yeah. and that's the only that's the only world that they that they know you need people that are on the outside who are like oh my gosh look at these other incredible tools that are that are coming to market at the same time insurance is super complicated Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of industry experience uh, that you need, and and so I think I think the most successful insure techs we've seen have done a great job marrying those two uh, those two skill sets together. Mm-hmm. What do you see right now? I mean, like when, when you must, I mean, companies are coming to you all the time asking for yeah. asking uh, for your feedback or your like help them find candidates. Uh, are they are they indexing on insurance? like insurance experience or are they indexing on, on like tech experience that for someone who's interested in coming into the insure tech world? Mm. It's interesting. Cause I think, I think there's, I've seen like some of the strive it as kind of like the version one, version two, version three versions of insure tech, essentially they were, they were given it like three ages. And, um, and I think early on you saw kind of really pure tech plays and it was the kind of classic, insurance is broken we're disruptors we don't need any people from insurance um uh, rookie move, rookie yeah. move. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yes. there was a lot of the kind of first mover stuff that's probably kind of a miss uh, that, that, that's probably inaccurate because i think a lot of the technology probably originally you know if you go if you go back far enough there's always been technology in insurance but a lot of it's come out of the insurance industry and, and, and it's that classic thing of that yeah, you know, the Henry Ford quote: If if it asks people what they want, you give you a faster, you know, faster horse. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and, yeah. and I think I think to some extent, a lot of that in early insurtech stuff was if it came from the industry, it wasn't broad enough thinking. But now, basically, we're generations on, so we haven't got either stuff purely coming from the insurance space. We haven't got people just purely coming from the tech space. Most people are kind of conscious that you know we need exactly as you say, we need enough people with insurance knowledge to kind of be able to kind of know to save time as well to speed up to say like look there's things that don't work because of regulation there's things that don't work because um you haven't understood the workflow correctly of the current systems or what the current systems are who the players are how the world integrates the challenge is and and you know thankfully it's a challenge because the only reason i have a job um <laughs> is is that um it's finding the people that sit within a world where they might have only seen a legacy system but think broader than that. So it is yeah. kind of people that have kind of, and that's the, 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 the challenge of that is it, it's not always obvious to spot, you know, yeah. all right, we can make some really lazy leaps to say, maybe someone's done an MBA. Maybe someone has got a technical degree, but went into insurance. Um, those are kind of lazy metrics. Really. It's about kind of getting to know the people and saying how up for change are they? And that's quite right. hard to measure. Um where do you see the where do you see the investors in this? In what respect have they been have they been interested in like investing out of uh, teams that are coming straight from the insurance industry or is it from like outsiders? 
Um, I would say no. I'd say it's a total balance on that. And I, I, I think I think the the investors tend to be quite balanced on if you get someone who's pure tech, they're always pushing them to say you need some more insurance knowledge, and and vice versa. I think that you yeah. know. And actually, I was just thinking. I'm like on my slate at the moment. I'm trying to help someone find a technical co-founder because they've got a great idea, but they're not technologists. They're pure insurance. Um, and 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 I was recently asked to find a CEO for someone that had a tech of an MGA idea, but didn't know how to run an MGA. So it, it is quite balanced. Um, I think the weighting is towards, you know, at the end of the day, you need less, you probably need less bodies that have insurance knowledge. Um, mm. You just need really good insurance knowledge. Whereas on the yeah, tech yeah. stack, it's, that's where the volume is. You know, that's, that's yeah, where yeah. you kind of need the numbers because you're, you're building so much. Um, if, if you're building up, a SaaS platform or something like that. Yeah, definitely. We were we were lucky enough. Um, our new head of product came from uh, came from Indio, mm. and so just a rock star uh, product guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so anyway, so you know, being being lucky lucky enough to have like like someone who's spent his career in technology. Um, he was a like longtime DocuSign. Uh, product person before so like long time technology but at the same time like having insurance experience that's where mm. it, when you get to when you get in, in uh, we just closed our series a and so we're like still early but like have you know we're not like day by day anymore right <laughs> we, got like, we got a little bit of a uh, little bit more traction in the hell of a runway yeah and so and so being able to find those folks that have that get a bridge that uh to like that golf is, is really important mm. and, and also i think you know the maturities happened in the market where insurtech's been around a little while now so you have got these people that you can pull in from other insurtechs there is a bit of a you know feeding frenzy on you know <laughs> the weak attacking the strong and people have raised money and they're, they're, they're going in and it's getting pretty aggressively priced and um particularly see that in the business development type roles in, in the yeah. kind of carry things like carrier relationship management for for businesses like that it's it's an absolute bloodbath to find talent um yeah i do do think we're sometimes it's it's good for you though right (laughs) (laughs) i mean it isn't it isn't it isn't uh you know you've got your if you've got you've been retained by a client and you're fighting the good fight for them and 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 you know there's so many options on the table it is it is challenging um because i was wondering about that how how often are you retained by the client as opposed to like you've you have like a good candidate that's uh, kind of oh, that's provided to you and you're like oh man this is great i'm gonna like actually partner with this candidate and then i'm gonna like yeah. so i feel like i every day i get these emails i'm like i'm working with so-and-so that's got this type of background and yeah. and i can't tell if it's just like a marketing email from a headhunter yeah. or if it's a uh no it's usually um, it's usually legit you know, i mean it's usually a legit, legit thing and 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 you know we are approaching a, a we're in what we would in recruitment we would term a candidate driven market so we would say look there's not enough good people that are out there so in many respects you're better off partnering with the talent than the businesses you know yeah um that being said my business model is not that Um, my business model is much more partnering with with specific clients um being retained to kind of work on that 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 work but but don't get me wrong i've got i've got friends that are kind of more in the kind of contingent volume recruitment business and um there's times when i feel like i'm i'm, I'm doing it wrong you know I, I, because i think 
I think there's some some good people out there. Like if you work in engineering recruitment, particularly, and you've got a good engineer, then your role is to present as many opportunities to that specific candidate as possible. Um, But I do think I think when you're you know, I specialize in series A series, you know, big C series A earlier stage businesses my commitment has to be to build that business because it has to feel like I'm part of that business. And therefore you're fighting the good fight for that specific client. Um, but, but, but both, but both, both things are valid. I also in the process of trying to find, let's say we're trying to find someone really good for trust there, you're going to find good people that trust there either don't hire or that they feel it's not a match. And then if you're not kind of proactively trying to work those, you know, work with those people to find them a new so- solution um, for their employment, then you're kind of letting money walk out the door is the, is the crude way of looking at it. Um, so yeah. it's, it's a balance, but um, yeah, I wouldn't lie. Some of those, some of those emails, definitely marketing emails <laughs> sent on mass by a few people, but um, it's all about good, good, good recruitment supplies. Jeremy. I respect the hustle. Yeah, as you know, as, yeah. as an entrepreneur, I respect the hustle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk to you about integration. Um, you obviously huge part of what you do is integrating with the different technologies. Um, had, I wanted to find out. I suppose it's a negative way of looking at it, but um, I, I wanted to know really where where some of the kind of crunch points, the, the, the challenging points, have been in that process. Whether it be Maybe it's between different industries or different parts of the value chain of what you've done. Has there been some common themes? Yeah, well, I mean, integrations can be complicated in part because insurance is, is complicated. Uh, we have an open, open API structure, yeah. and, uh, and then we have a handful of, uh, of really good partnerships with, um, with other industry SaaS platforms, like, for example, Procore, who yeah. are like great partners of ours. And uh, yeah, just like really great, great partners. Uh, and it turns out like there's so many different, you know, SaaS for every, you know, SaaS for daycare, SaaS for auto loans, SaaS for mortgages, SaaS for franchises. And so really kind of like mapping that out and making sure that you can be like a really good uh, partner uh, for each one of these and have an, and that's where like the open API infrastructure um, comes in, but also at the same point, whether it's like even something as basic as not basic, but like something as, as, um, as broad as, as QuickBooks, uh, having like integrations for that, which, which we do. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's, um, key. The carriers are all over them and brokers are all over the map, right? These AMSs have, have some do it a little better than, than others. We were just talking to a, a broker who, who's doing it pretty well. Um, but yeah, integrations, integrations can be tough. That's, we, we all know that's one of the, that's one of the biggest challenges within the insurance industry. It's why the data is so, um, so challenging. Uh, but there's, what's I think different now is there's such a strong motivation to, I don't want to say open up, um, like the data, cause like keeping data private is still really important. And that's, that's one of the things that we're, that's one of our North like our North star is, is that people can control their own data, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you can still have open systems that still protect data. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like there's a, a big push to cloud now. Um, I know Applied's doing something really innovative, uh, trying to push uh, more of their customers to, to, to um, some of the cloud systems. Uh, and obviously Vertifor has done this uh, as well. So yeah, it challenges, uh, integrations are tough. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and it's great that we get to work with, uh, really good companies that are helping us do that. Mm. But, um, it's definitely one of the bigger challenges mm. now within the insurance industry. It, 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 
And by the way, everything I'm just talking about is just in the U.S. I know, I know, uh, like the pain points are, are similar elsewhere too. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. when I first had the idea of Trust Layer, I mean, it was we were working overseas, and and uh, like the same thing happened where I just saw like there was insurance that had been placed, I think, but I couldn't actually validate it. Mm. And so if I had like full-time people dedicated to a project, like, you know, they could, there could be ways that we could manually handle it, but we weren't investing enough money to justify having like all that admin costs. And so I thought like, but there's gotta be a better way to do this. And so, and it's just like insurance is just like, you know, the beginning, right? Like think about all the licensing, all this other, all these other workflows that Mm. like, it's just, it just takes forever to like, to like validate this stuff. And if you mm-hmm. could have a faster, better way to mm-hmm. have real-time proof of coverage, proof of license, proof of whatever, like that's, that's where this can become really exciting. And then it opens up like whole new businesses. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you do a cross-border transaction that you previously weren't able to do because of like admin mm-hmm. uh, costs. And then it turns out actually it could be a super profitable investment or, or business to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you, I love, if you can I love, speed up that process. I love, I love, I love, I love all of that kind of thinking. Is is, is this like it's not? We're at the kind of nascent stage. It's like, like what? What do these kind of better flows, these better kind of uh, you know visibility allow us to do? Because you know, a, 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 it's getting stuck in the admin is is infuriating. I, I, it was interesting for me with a. Um, I was choosing a health insurer this last week, and um, and and my only question because I'd had such a terrible experience, had to make a claim uh, two years ago and it was so manual and it was always phoning and yeah. getting qualified. And, and I said, I'm, I was with a broker and I just went, I just, it, it has to all be for an app, whichever health insurer has an app that does everything. And I don't have to touch right. it. I don't want to speak to anyone. Yeah. That's my, that's my decision. And, and I think if you take that, so I'm a small business owner, but my consumer experience, and I'm slightly obsessed with this kind of, it cannot not influence my commercial experience. So I have the same kind of now demands of any of my yeah. software suppliers, any of my suppliers. It's like, if you're, if, if anything's manual, I, I want to know why it's like that. And if it's just because your technology stack's not up to scratch. So it is, it is becoming the, it's going to become the norm, isn't it? So like what you're doing, like the idea is presumably that it should become the industry standard. Like, uh, yeah, I think the, I think the, um, so to your point, I agree with you that there's an interest in having part of this, like becoming automated and like just um, not having to talk to someone for stupid stuff. But at the same time, you do want to talk to someone at like the right time. Yes. Right. You actually do want to talk to that doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, so you want a whole bunch of the crap in the admin, like yeah. um, automated or like through an app. But at some point you actually do want to talk to like an expert. And I think insurance is is no different Mm. where I don't want to like, I don't want to have to be faxing or oh my God, faxing. Like that's it, by the way, I thought I was, I thought we were like, we as a society done with faxing. And then I found out. Are we not? Are are people still faxing? Yeah. We've got a partner that they, they they claim they're, they're receiving tens of thousands of faxes. um, Wow. Just mind boggling. Wow. (laughs) Uh, But like, yeah, you want to like automate like the credit. That's like again, but that's our focus. That's where like the RPA or like the like the the workflow is like the most important part of this. Mm-hmm. Is that like automate what you can, but then have like the human be involved at the right time mm-hmm. with the complex thing that the human's really good at, and then automate as much as you can um, 
and uh, uh, like afterwards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, consciously over time, uh, I, I kind of, I always like to kind of look forward. You say you just closed on the, you just, you know, had the Series A. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you've been pitching what you're going to do with this, but what's what's the plan? What's 2022 look like? Um, what exciting things can we look for from Trust Lab? We're just going to uh, buy more merch. Uh, and swag uh, so. <laughs> and VR kits yeah. for our children, <laughs> right? And VR, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. That's what we're up to. Yeah. Uh, we're sure. we're like so up until now, like we've got a really small team, and and we're just we're just scaling, right? Mm-hmm. It was you know we've initially only had one salesperson. Now we've got a whole team. So yes. like, and that's great. So like, it's like creating infrastructure. It's creating process. It's just great. It's, it's creating a business, yeah. uh, which is, which is really exciting. It's like moving forward with the digital proof of insurance, yeah. um, which is super exciting. So like engaging carriers and brokers to like actually have this, like to, to, to not just talk about moving past paper, but like actually doing it, help create ground truth yeah. for not just the insurance industry, but like helping create ground truth for that general contractor mm-hmm. who for like the, the property manager who has to track this stuff, but doesn't actually know if the documents that they're receiving are even authentic mm-hmm. or current, right? Just because someone had insurance six months ago doesn't mean that the guy still has insurance sure. today. Sure. And so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, 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 it's really great that we get to now like really kind of like build, build an exciting company now. Yeah. It's exciting. Brilliant stuff. John, yeah, thank you so thank much you. for your time, man. Thanks for so and, generous. And, and seriously, thank you very much for putting this together. We've I know uh, my team's really enjoyed chatting with you and working with you. Uh, awesome. and so this uh yeah, it was when I when uh when I got invited, I was really excited to to join. So uh, thanks for putting this on. Very kind of you, very kind, and as always, absolute pleasure. So thank you, John. Um take care, all the best. Talk to you soon. Bye, Alex. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.